Hey everyone, we're doing a mental health business show today with my co-host Dave Ballenberger, who is also a long-time horse person and also someone that not only owns horses personally, but has used horses in a therapeutic setting. So we're going to talk about how to make that happen and also what we've seen happen when counseling organizations decide to implement using horses as a means of therapy with humans. Thanks for joining us. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sinanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Dave Ballenberger, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, I enjoy being on your show, Kristen. (laughs) So there's so many ways that horses, and that's what we're going to talk about today, are used in mental health organizations. And that's, it's not a new thing, but it's it's certainly something that now is popular and they're actually able to, you know, charge for services around utilizing horses in, in therapy. There's an organization called EGALA that's fantastic and it's a wonderful way to have a licensed professional counselor be part of a session that involves a horse and then you also have someone there that is the horse handler and you also have the patient. So what mm-hmm. are you what are you seeing, you know, with your work in the field of mental health and the different organizations that you work with that has changed around organizations really realizing this is a benefit and really adopting this and using this as a treatment protocol? Well, I think when you know, when you talk about someone working with a horse, I think you have to look at some of the things a horse will do, I think most people look at them and go, oh, gee, he's big. Um, I'm scared and uh, either want to ride them or want to walk away from them. And I think what they're finding out in therapy is that a horse really brings out a lot of the psychological issues that people are trying, you know, trying to deal with. And not so much about riding the horse. It's more about uh, what's happening on the ground. Uh, For example, when you go out in the pasture to uh, catch your horse, well, how do you do that? You know, do you get all aggressive and go up to him and expect him just he can hardly wait to have you put that halter on? (laughs) And But if you take a look at that and compare it to how some people approach other people, 
you know, when they come up to you right away, it's hostility right away. It's some kind of anger. Um, it's never pleasant, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And with a horse, uh, he identifies right away or she identifies what's going on with you, you know, because they are, they are sophisticated herd animals. Right. And one of the things they notice right away in the herd is what's going on with everybody else and kind of where they fall in that order. Um, with people, it's not always the case. I mean, not that we're expecting people to fall into a certain order, but they don't always act um, the way they should with others, you know, in terms of um, because, you know, again, a horse has a real unique ability to sense emotion. Yes. Uh, you know, and feeling. It's just, um, you know, something sad happens and you go out to your horse and he doesn't judge you. He doesn't compete with you. He doesn't run away. I kept saying he, there's mares too. Um, <laughs> right. you know, Mine is a mare. They just, yes. they, yeah, they just don't, they don't do that. So even though they can't really talk to you, um, they do, they do give back an emotion if you demonstrate an emotion or if you're feeling bad. Uh, just the way they hang their head, the way they breathe. Um, because, you know, horses communicate with each other through breath. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of how they breathe and how they kind of approach each other. Uh, and where they hit each other on their bodies in terms of different points, different buttons that horses know. And I, sometimes I, I'm starting to learn, but I think um, be nice if humans knew, um, you know, in terms of relating with that animal, um, you know, so, you know, and they, they have, uh, you know, they have the ability to communicate. They also have strong, you know, interpersonal skills, um, you know, and I think too, I think the biggest thing about it is beginning to recognize, and this is what a therapist would do if they were working if they had a, a patient there who had a lot of trouble with anger or a lot of trouble even possibly with substance abuse, whatever it may be, um, they're going to, the therapist should be able to observe and identify the emotions that the patient's going through because the horse is. Right. You know, just in terms of um, how they're behaving. When I was working with delinquent kids, um, we had 13 horses. And to watch the girls uh, interact with those horses was a lot different than watching the boys, uh, you know, in terms of what they would do. But with the girls, it was really like, I can bond with this animal. It's not judging me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not saying I'm a bad person. Um, you know, and I, I think for young women, uh, particularly the girls that we had in the program, as a real issue, you know, in yeah. terms of how they felt about themselves and some of the things that had happened to them right. uh, while they were growing up. Um, it, it, it is, you know, we're talking about girls 15, 16 years old who've been through a lot of trauma. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, the ability to go up to something that weighs 900 pounds, <sighs> uh, relate to it, deal with it, and actually enjoy it. Um, was a real pleasure to watch and therapeutic. What about the boys? The boys, um, what you saw was the future bullies of America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you could kind of read too uh, from the boys, you could see 
those that would have no conscience about hurting others, um, not a lot of feeling about hurting other people, so their spouse, things like that, and what, you know, their girlfriend, and kind of what, she, when you're dealing with boys, uh, particularly in group therapy, which is primarily what we had, those issues don't come out a lot. You know, seeing them interact with the animal and then pointing that out to them. I had one guy on the staff, um, a staff member who did it with me, um, Irv, and that guy was so excellent uh, in terms of dealing with those kids in relationship to an animal, um, any animal, and in terms of what was going on. So, yeah, with the boys, you see some different things. Um, you know, not all the boys were like that, but... And then with mentally ill adults, um, when I was at Rose Hill, which was a psych rehab, I had a writing program too. And I remember I had this one lady and uh, she was a little overweight and she said, I want to ride a horse. And I said, well, you're going to have to be able to get up on the horse without my help. And so we worked on it and she was scared to death. Uh, she really was. And uh, one day she was getting up there and she kind of was starting to fall off. And so I, I put my hand on her butt and kind of pushed her over. And I said, I'm sorry. She said, oh, don't be sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and, you know, <laughs> when we started, she would not have been that way. Mm. Um, but by the, end of, by the end of the session, though, by after about, you know, three, four, five months, she could actually get up on that horse by herself and she was a good rider, you know, and I could see the confidence, uh, you know, kind of come forth with her because this was someone who was trying to deal with their illness, but at the same time was feeling very uncomfortable with themselves. And she was a bright woman, but, you know, she also had to deal with mental illness. Um, and sometimes what the medications do, uh, do a, to a person, in terms right. of weight gain and not being able to control it. Um, but if you don't take the medication, you're, then you're psychotic. So there's a choice, you know. And uh, But being able to get on that horse and relate to it and interact really made a difference for her. Hmm. That's something that I, I noticed, too, when I started working with horses and working with my horse specifically was the fear, a lot of fear that I had, um, just, and it's not anything to do with riding. Riding a horse is a whole other thing. <laughs> this was just mm -hmm. fear of being around a horse because they're so big. <laughs> so, yep. And I had, yeah. I had a ton of fear about being bitten on my fingers. I just, their mouth anywhere near me or especially my hands. Um, I was very, very afraid of that. And it's fascinating to me how now, I mean, I can stick my whole hand in my horse's mouth and do what I need to do with a bit. And that fear just isn't, you know, isn't there. And that fear was about something else. It wasn't really about the horse. No, not at all. It wasn't about the horse at all. It was just, but, you know, that horse knew you were scared. Mm -hmm. She knew it. Um, she could feel the fear. That's like when you tell people when they get up on a horse, um, don't get up there and be scared <laughs> because the horse knows you're scared. And some horses respond to that differently than others, just like people, you know, in terms of their personalities. And because uh, horses do have, each of them has their own 
personality. I've got a five-year-old at home and, uh, you know, he didn't want me to put a halter on. So we went around the bend a couple of times. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of this. <laughs> so I went out there and I had the halter and I said, you make the decision to put your nose in that halter. Right. And I stood there with that halter in front of him until he put his nose in there. Right. And Sometimes he got they, it. They just want to know. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, he wants to make the decision. Yes. About whether or not he wants my big butt up on his on him for two hours, you know, riding around in the heat. Um, <laughs> That's you know, the thing. The, it's the, a decision with a horse. Whether it's different yeah. with a dog or, you know, well, cats do whatever they want. But with a dog, especially, you're giving that dog a command. And a dog, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, dogs listen to, not all dogs, but, you know, a trained dog will listen to that command. They're looking for that command. With a horse, it is mm-hmm. absolutely uh, a negotiation. They are not there to... Um, sit, speak, shake. They're there to be in relationship with you. And so, yeah, you have to negotiate. I mean, I, I have I have taken my horse for walks, not riding, for, I've ridden her, mm-hmm. to, but taken her for walks to where she gets halfway through the walk and she doesn't want to go any further. Yeah. And I have to negotiate with her. And sometimes mm-hmm. that means I walk around for 15 minutes with her in a circle until she decides yep. that she will come with me for the rest of that walk. <laughs> yeah, because because you're not going to dominate them. No, they're um, way too big. They're too big. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you, uh, you know, you can be cruel. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are who think that training a horse is more an effort and cruelty than making them fearful of you and fearful of what you're going to do is how you end up with a good horse. That's not really the case. You know, a lot of trainers talk about you have to develop what they call feel, um, meaning that you have to be able to tell when that horse is going to do something or the horse needs to tell when you're going to ask for something. And it's how you lead up to that. So it's like if I was talking to someone, a person, um, over the years, I've developed a pretty good feel for how to approach people. Right. Um, and a lot of uh, folks who have issues, you know, like that's why this, a lot of times horses are used quite a bit for men that are men and women that come home from war right. uh, with PTSD because they've lost that ability uh, to negotiate that. And, you know, that, that's, what, that's where horses work for people. Um, you know, you have to get a feel for that animal, not just, well, you're a horse and I'm a human and you'll do what I say. Well, okay. But is that the way you're going to run your life? You know, two humans and you're going to tell them what to do and they better do what you say. Right. Uh, that worked in the army, but it's not going to work out in the world. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do? You know, and that's where a lot of people come back and have those kinds of issues and horses are used quite a bit uh, for treating PTSD you know when people come home because again it's a negotiation right that was what was interesting speaking to another organization that does a lot of work with 
veterans and also people that are part of the police department, first responders that have been mm-hmm. through you know trauma of their own. They will show up at you know something working with horses, and they will try to do what they are trained to do out in the field with people. Which sure. yeah is that you know sometimes you have to take you have to you know be forceful, and you have to you know do that in this emergency situation that's going on. But that's never gonna work with a horse and re- part of reintegration back into society for someone struggling with PTSD that has been through war or has been a you know frontline service person is that learning, um, getting out of that instinctual behavior that was pounded in you that was force, 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 and moving back yep. into, okay, that is not going to work in the rest no. of society. No, it's not. And um, I think that's, you know, one of the strong points of this, of a a horse is that you're just, you're just not going to do that. Now, not every horse in the world is suited to help people. Right. Right. Uh, Sometimes the horse needs help. Um, But, you know, I I think you have to be somewhat, you know, when you're doing this, um, I know there's a therapeutic uh, program not too far from me that uh, folks are trained in how to utilize the horse for therapy and all that. And I'm actually signing up for some classes to learn how to do that. Um, but my horses, they're not therapy horses. I mean, they're good horses, but, but they're not therapy horses. It's almost like, I know you've been real involved with therapy dogs over the years and not every dog is a therapy dog. Yeah, absolutely not. I've said this before. Uh, my one, my two boy dogs, for whatever reason, the two boy border collies uh, were well suited for therapy dog work, and the two girls raised all the same. Uh, you wouldn't put near kids or um, you know adults going through a hard time. You wouldn't put them near them with the ten foot pole. <laughs> because no, because you know they're, they're just not good. suited for that. Their personalities yeah. aren't. You know, and I think that sometimes that's what people forget is that these animals all have their own personality. Yeah, absolutely. Either through breeding or, you know, like a lot of us, how we grew up uh, shapes our personality in terms of how we see the world. Well, horse isn't any different. You know, if he grew up rough, then he could end up being rough, you know, when it's time to go for the ride. Um you know, whereas one that grows up in a regular, normal environment for horses, you know, they're different, you know, depending upon what people do. I think it's interesting when uh, when a horse is born, a, a colt or a mare is born, that one of the first things you try to do with them is to form a human-horse relationship. Because when they first right. get here, they can't walk. They, they have a hard time walking. They bite. They nip. I mean, horses have been trained to do everything, um, you know, but, but forming that relationship. I know my farrier told me he went over to uh, clip um, a horse, uh, cut his uh, hooves, that it was a little horse that had been around, you know, for about 90 days with not a lot of human contact. He said he had a heck of a time, you know, getting in there and doing that. Um, so, you know, that's real important. I think it kind of shows you, just in terms of people and animals, the animals have to come up a certain way, just like people do, uh, in order to be good people. Agreed, agreed. 
So in terms of the effect that you've seen this have, can you give some examples of, you know, how you've seen people change um, initially and then also the course of time after working with a horse? Well, I know I had one young lady um, who was in the program at Camp Oakland and um, she was always running away. I mean, every third day I was chasing her through the woods and um, usually caught her. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, and I got her involved in that program. And at first she's like, hey, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You know, and then kept kind of running away. But then eventually... And I had a woman who was running the program that was really good with the girls and um, really got her to be connected to one particular horse. And what I could see happen with her was that, you know, her whole manner changed. Uh, her whole way of approaching others changed um, because, you know, the horse that she liked and the one she wanted to interact with, he was kind of a tough old boy. Um, you know, had his own little thing going on, but she got along with him real well. And I saw a definite uh, change in her. And then with the mentally ill adults, a lot of times with the mentally ill, um, you know, self-esteem, self-worth, um, it's really missing. It's not there. Um, it's really kind of gone by the wayside. And what I saw happen with a lot of people was, is that they were able to work with this big animal and I would just plain tell them, look, I showed you how to put the bridle on, do it. And I'd stay there and make right. sure they were safe, but right. um, they had to do it. And, you know, in, in, the, in the past, you know, everybody, oh, well, he's mentally ill. Yeah, well, he has to survive in the world just like the rest of us. Right. So, you know, so I think there's a way to use, you know, again, skills, feelings, about yourself, um, kind of how you look at things, how you approach things. Right. Um, you know, I, if you come at a horse in anger, well, he's not, he's going to run away. Right. Um, and if you do that enough times, he's going to keep running away. And eventually you won't be able to catch him at all. So Absolutely. And sometimes they just got, don't want to come because they just don't want to. <laughs> Oh, that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I or, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've had plenty of instances where I've gone out or, and I've yeah. spent a great amount of time with my horse. We've had a wonderful experience. And then I forgot to put her fly mask on and I put her out uh, in the field and she was just done. You know, she was like, look, we've already said our goodbyes. We had our time. I'm out eating grass now. And she was in <laughs> no way going to let me put that fly mask on her. It just was, I said, okay, well, you're going to suffer tonight because you're not letting me put this on you, but that's your choice, that's right. my friend. And I left. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, uh, my young, the young one I have, uh, as soon as I come in there, I hope it's not because he doesn't like me. He, uh, he walks to the exact same spot every time and stands there. Like I'm not going to walk over there, uh, and catch him. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think really it's, it's a learning process. Um, you have to really take a look at yourself when, when you're working with these animals because they respond to you in a way that I think a lot of people aren't used to with, with a horse. It's uh, just instinctual with them right. because, you know, every, everything in the herd is about the herd surviving together and all these other things and who's in charge. 
Um, and who's going to follow who? Well, that's kind of the way it is in life, too. And um, if you're not a good member of the herd, the horse herd, then they do have ways of isolating you, punishing each other, um, that whole thing for, for, for bad behavior. And uh, so they recognize it as inappropriate behavior. And I think right. they recognize that in people, too. And, you know, they will do things on behalf of people based on emotions. So I, mm -hmm. I had an instance where I was removing my horse from one place and putting it in another and someone really didn't want me to remove my horse and it doesn't matter why, but mm -hmm. they didn't want me to do that. And their horses were wild. They were just wild, um, beautiful, lovely yeah. horses. But I had never, ever, ever been bitten or anything ever, not even close by any, by either of their horses. And the day before I r removed my horse from the place that she was at, those horse that followed me around like a puppy dog walked right up to me and took a chunk uh, in, into my arm. And, mm. and I, was, I was shocked. And I remember saying, hey, you know, what's up? You know, and, and I felt the anger and I thought, oh, I felt the anger from the human but the horse is the one that acted it out. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah, happens that, too. That, yeah, that happens too. Yeah. That happens too. So, you know, it, it, it's a challenge. I think it's an interesting one, uh, you know, in terms of uh, particularly working with people who are having difficulties. Yeah. Um, it, 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 you know, they're, they're a lot of work. Um, they're expensive. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, I know I'm, I'll go home tonight, go out there, feed them, mm -hmm. and then come back about an hour later and uh, grab one of them. I got one right now who has a an abscess in, in one of her hooves. And so you got to go out there every night, <laughs> catch her. You got to get her to put her foot in a bucket with Epsom salt. And she's finally figured out that this is to help her. <laughs> Right. So, so, so now she'll stand there for 15 minutes with her hoof in the bucket. Oh, good. And then you take it out and you got to put this goop on it and you got to wrap tape around it and all this other stuff. And then, of course, uh, you watch her out the window and she's supposed to have this bad infection and she's running around like a mad fool chasing her buddy. <laughs> um, you know, so you, you, you know, you just kind of, but, but she's figured out on her own that the reason you catching her and the reason you got the bucket is because you want to help her. Yeah. And, you know, so that's something that, um, other animals don't always pick up on that. And, and a horse does. Exactly. It takes you know, a little patience to help them. Takes a little, takes patience. And I had one, I have a lady I work with by the name of Lucy and she's a professional horse person. And uh, I asked her to come over and help me with this one horse. And I was having a hard time with it. And she got on. And, of course, she got on. And the horse did whatever she wanted it to. I'm like, oh, well, this is great. You know, so I was watching her. But, um, you know, and she got off. And I said, you know, I, she said, here's the problem. You expect that horse to do everything you want the minute you want it. Yeah. That's not how it works. And I thought, oh, you're right. <laughs> That's how I am at work. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes you slow down. I think that's why it's so beneficial in terms of 
counseling and it's so many places, so many counseling organizations are creating entire programs around using mm-hmm. courses and making it a part of their, you know, their business model because it's, uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, when I first got my horse, she would rear up and run away if I took her out, even out of the barn. She didn't do it every time, but she would do that sometimes if a horsefly was going to land on her. She does not, this horse does uh, not like bugs. Well, you know what? I don't yeah. like them either. And so she, I had to prove to her that even though I don't like them either, I will absolutely go after them if they are on her or bothering her. Mm-hmm. And when she first met me, I was in no way going to help her with that bug. <laughs> and she knew it. Yeah. <laughs> a few times of me taking her out and swatting them away. And what was interesting was she ran off because a bug landed on her. She couldn't get it off of her and ran away from me. And you'd think that she would be more sensitive or more reactive to me slapping her neck with my hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't. Because no. she knew You're- that I was going after the fly that was bothering her. That yeah. was the important thing. And, and you, were, you were trying to help her. Yes. You know, and I think that's what they pick up on better than we humans do. Absolutely. Uh, when people are trying to help us, um, we don't often don't respond appropriately. No, we don't. Uh, you know, uh, you know, those of us, even the people who on a daily basis, I mean, somebody tries to help you. Well, that's not how it works with a horse. When they think that you're trying to help them, uh, they realize it and they'll let you do whatever you need to do to do it. You know, and that's why she'll stand there for 15 minutes with her foot in a bucket. Exactly. Um, you know, and look at me waiting for her treat. Um no treat until the foot comes out of the bucket. That's a right. control issue, isn't it, Kristen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have those too. <laughs> yeah, and it's, so it's like, we all we all have our issues, and the, it's such a great yeah. place to see them played out before you through this amazing animal that you're with. Yeah. And yeah, observing that as a therapist, um, I mean, and you don't have to have a a property that has a facility for horses. I mean, you can make, uh, you can have an agreement with a place that has horses and your therapist Mm -hmm. go out there and Mm -hmm. they have a handler that's with them. And you can, that, you know, that can be recorded and billed and all those things are important in the business of mental health, you know, as a service that's in paid for by insurance because it is you know, it is therapy without you having to have the cost and the overhead and all of that of actually having horses yeah. on your property. I mean, you're, you're, you're still going to have to write it some kind of a treatment plan. Yep. Um, you're still going to have to have goals and objectives and the reason you're doing this. We work with a program in Virginia uh, where they work with uh, children with severe personality disorders. And most of these kids are foreign born and they were adopted here and um, they have a lot of issues. And one of the things they have is a fairly large writing program mm. um, that these young people go through. And, uh, you know, and I, even when I was there, I just was kind of watching for about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the boy that was acting out in the classroom that afternoon was actually doing a pretty good job. You know, and he wasn't, he wasn't getting angry. He wasn't getting upset. Um, 
you know, and the staff were trying to talk to him while he was doing that, you know, in terms of what's the difference. So, you know, I, I think that's where they, you know, they really come into play. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they'll have an amazing effect on your life, whether you own one, uh, whether you're like uh, somewhere my horse is boarded because I don't have a property that is has enough acres to have her with me like you do, Dave, but I, she's boarded somewhere fantastic. And I've received many um, communications from people that are on that property for other reasons, either with their own horse or their kids or taking lessons or whatever, you know, is going on there. And they will say, mm-hmm. there's something about my horse that they can go spend time with her. And she's just really good about being that therapy animal for that person, yeah. whatever they're going through. And I always, and they make a point to tell me that. And I always, I always say, my God, go visit her as much as you like, you know, please. That's, that's what she loves. Uh, so, and yeah, well, for telling. some of that behavior, some of that behavior is a reflection of you. Oh, <laughs> yes, probably so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, on that uh, it, note, it is. It is. <laughs> so Dave, you're co-host on our mental health business podcast. Uh, you're also a supporter of our network, involved in a lot of things that we do. And um, But the way that people can find out more about you is looking up on LinkedIn. That's Dave Ballenberger. And also you're the CEO of an electronic health records company, which is Next yep. Step Solutions, Inc. Ne- Next Step oh, Solutions, no. Inc. So if yep. you want to, I'm on there, but I'm giving little talks. <laughs> yes, you do, and you do them fantastic. So I highly my, my little two my my little two minute talks. <laughs> uh, Anna and I are going to be doing more of those, so uh, that'll be fun. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for coming back on the show, and listeners, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio and the Animal Effect. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. 
Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.